What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of the Powder Blue Review, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Michael Peterson. If you want to go ahead and follow me on all my social media stuff, at Zone Tracks is my Twitter handle. And you can go ahead and follow the podcast Twitter handle at PB Review Podcast. That one's growing fast, so I definitely appreciate all the love that you guys can give that. And then if you want to follow all of my written work, go on ahead to boltsfromtheblue.com. That is SB Nation's Chargers blog. Guys, we made it to double digits. This is episode 10, like I said. And, oh, that feels so good. Get through those first nine. We're double digits and honestly no sign of stopping anytime soon because this is just too much fun, too much fun having you guys along for the ride. So I'd really, really appreciate it. Um, It's a day, guys. It's Sunday. Um, As you guys are listening to this, the team has been through four training camp practices. And the good thing about all the practices is that so far there have been zero injuries. Zero injuries is exactly what we want to hear. Um, We can't say the same for a number of other NFL teams. And it looks like our time has finally come. Knock on all the wood that we will get through training camp without any major injuries. And speaking of injuries, if you guys haven't been taking all those harrys.com ads seriously and you guys have injured yourselves while shaving, don't come crawling to me. We gave you the goods, now go get them. But today's show, guys, we're just going to kind of recap what's been going on the last few days of training camp. Uh, Some of the bigger stories, obviously, Melvin Gordon still holding out uh, Russell Okung and his pulmonary embolism. Finally, we learned what that undisclosed injury was. Uh, The outlook looks... You know, good and bad when it comes to pulmonary embolisms, and we'll get into that later um, specifically. But those are obviously the two biggest storylines that the Chargers have been dealing with over the last week or so. But for the most part, guys, the team's doing really well. Uh, the guys that are back, like Hunter Henry, Artavis Scott, they're all doing extremely, extremely well, uh, showing kind of why people were so hyped about them going into last season prior to their season-ending injury. So uh, a lot to go over, guys, so we're just kind of going to get right into it. Gordon is currently holding out uh, through day four of training camp, and so far what we know, and it hasn't been officially reported, but the things that I've been hearing recently is that the first offer um, given to him and his agent that he found, uh, quote, disrespectful was in that 10 to $11 million range, which would put him as the fourth highest paid running back in the NFL, behind David Johnston at $13 million a year, and ahead of Devonta Freeman, who's making somewhere between 8 and $9 million a year. According to Josina Anderson of ESPN, both sides are, quote, unwilling to move off a number. Now, to me, that tells me that Gordon's probably asking for more than that 10 to 11 million range, maybe even up to 12. Hell, maybe he's even trying to get more than David Johnson's uh, 13 million a year, which is just bad. I don't think he's going to get that type of money. And I'm not 100% sure he's going to be here this season whatsoever. If we go back to Josina Anderson's comments, uh, she also had some sources say that many people have expressed the same sentiment. They have love for Gordon and they hope they can work something out. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that this team is going to have to pay here in the next couple of years. Some of those names that come out are Joey Bosa, Philip Rivers extension, obviously, Mike Pouncey, Hunter Henry, Desmond King's extension, possibly, Melvin Ingram's contracts coming up. You've got Keenan Allen on a possible new extension as well. There's just so many names that play different positions that unfortunately are a little more important to this team than the running back position, especially with the wealth behind Gordon. And it's obviously well documented. It's super murky. It's not cut and dry. There's not any sort of black and white to this argument, to really any argument when it comes to Gordon. It's just uh, what's best for the team going forward in this win-now situation, and that's something that Gordon's going to have to accept and the team's going to have to figure out uh, on their own, I guess. Going on to the second big piece of news, uh, Russell Kung finally announced that he had a pulmonary embolism 
earlier, early June it was. And what's so scary about this is that he went on a whim. He just said he didn't feel right. He went on a whim to the doctor to kind of get stuff checked out. And he found out that he had this small pulmonary embolism. And for those of you guys who don't know, a pulmonary embolism is super super dangerous. So it stems from a blood clot, usually in like a uh, lower extremity. And if any of that blood clot breaks off and works its way to the pulmonary artery in the heart, it can actually kill someone. They're known as also known as a silent killer. And it's one of the leading killers of just people in general in the country. So this was a near death experience for Russell Okung. And he talks about that in his little message he said to his fans to kind of give everybody and shed some light on the whole ordeal. So at this point, it sucks that the team is going to be out without their left tackle for the foreseeable future. Um, but you got to care about the guy as a, as a person more so than a player at this point. I do hope he's okay. Um, to give a little more detail, what to expect, uh, you know, future prognosis is that he must be on blood thinners for around three to six months. Daniel Popper, the the new guy on the Chargers beat for the Athletic Los Angeles, uh, went and talked to a doctor about this, and the doctor said specifically, it's around three to six months that the player has to be on these meds. But during that time, the player cannot do any football-related activities whatsoever because if he gets cut, if he gets uh, bruised in a joint or anything like that, like things can swell really badly and damage certain joints if he gets cut and even with small cuts again these are blood thinners so small things can bleed out uh, extremely extremely hard and little minor things can become super dangerous things to the uh, to okung's life so uh, we're not sure how fast he's going to come back again three to six months if he did start blood thinners back in june then you can maybe consider two months roughly have gone by and he could be ready for the regular season but that's a best case scenario worst case scenario is that he's lost for months into the regular season and the team is going to have to worry uh, about protecting Philip Rivers with Trent Scott and Sam Tevy and maybe Forrest Lamp at this point. He hasn't gotten any looks so far in training camp at the offensive tackle position, but Lynn has mentioned it, working on his versatility to help get him active on game days. But at this point, you know, if he's not a starter, then I think that's just going to be a rough story on its own. Some other notes from training camp so far, obviously wide receiver is uh, one of the biggest battles for some of those backup positions. As of right now, you got Keenan and Mike Williams. Travis Benjamin seems to have the number three wide receiver position down pat, but that wide receiver four is kind of what we're looking at. And guys, while we're recording this, some news did come out. Dylan Cantrell and Fred Trevillian, a former uh, UDFA from San Diego State, have been waived by the team. And this sucks because I've been a big fan of Dylan Cantrell and his game. Uh, since he was drafted, but it looks like he got injured on day two. It has, wasn't officially reported. Um, unfortunately, uh, one of my followers uh, contacted me and just said, hey, I was there. I saw Cantrell get helped off the field. It, again, it wasn't noted, but apparently he did get hurt, and they just couldn't string him along any further. They signed Malachi Dupree, who was a former uh, top wide receiver recruit in the country coming out of high school, played at LSU and had a decent career there. And a guy named Jordan Smallwood, who I'm not entirely sure on at this moment. Maybe he's related to Wendell Smallwood from the Eagles. I'm not entirely sure. But as of right now, this wide receiver four battle is kind of between Jeremy Davis and Artavis Scott. Davis initially was the fourth wide receiver on the field to start training camp. But Artavis Scott keeps getting noted. Daniel Jeremiah, who was with NFL Network, came to practice on day two. And one of his big takeaways was how well Artavis Scott was doing during that practice. He's doing a lot of big time catches, deep catches, run after the catch. The dude's just making plays and he was that type of player in the preseason last year before he had the lower body injury, kept him out for the entire regular season. I expect big things from Artavis Scott this season and I think people may need to take a little more notice on him as a player going forward. It's good to see, it's good to see this competition 
Um, sucks about Cantrell, though. That's just a personal thing. I love Dylan Cantrell. Uber athletic. I thought his skills fit really well into the Chargers offense. But again, if you can't shake the injury bug, the team's just not going to trust you. They're not going to string you along any further than they have to. This team has dealt with injuries more so than most other teams. And at this point, you know, they're just kind of tired of it. Uh, let's talk about some rookies real quick. Uh, Jerry Tillery has been brought along slowly. He's been working with drills, individual drills, team drills. Hasn't gotten in on the uh, 11 on 11 stuff, full team stuff just yet. But uh, soon enough, I mean, there's been no setbacks with his injury, the labrum surgery that he had earlier this year. He seems to be good to go, and we're just kind of have to wait, uh, let time go by a little bit. Nasir Adderley was a full participant from the get-go of training camp. He's been working mostly with the twos. Uh, has been seen as the third free safety behind Rayshon Jenkins and Jalen Watkins. That's a lot of competition there at the free safety position. Rayshon Jenkins has bulked up to 220 this past season. Now he's down to back under 200 pounds. Uh, super athletic guy out of Miami, a former fifth-round pick a couple of years ago. Jalen Watkins is a former uh, free agent signing from the Philadelphia Eagles. He played with them when they won their Super Bowl several years ago and may have been the starting free safety last year if he didn't get hurt for the season. Adderley, excuse me, has been uh, awesome in his role as a back-end free safety. He showed so much range while he was at Delaware. I think he had 13 career interceptions. Former cornerback convert was a cornerback the first two years at Delaware, and he's already making plays. He had a big pass breakup on day three that got tons of high fives and appreciation from his teammates, and that's the kind of stuff you want to see from the rookies, at least what they were doing in college. You can kind of see that early on in their young NFL career, and it's sort of them not skipping a beat. Always, always a good thing to see. Easton Stick, a guy that a lot of people don't really have expectations for, is absolutely slinging it through the first couple days of training camp. He had a big throw to Jason Moore down the field. And as a guy that, again, uh, people aren't expecting too much of, he has no pressure and he can just let it rip these first couple days of practices. He was a fifth round pick. I don't think they're going to get rid of him if he plays horribly his first year. I don't think that's what the team uh, really foresaw for Stick. And he's, he's making the most of it, it seems like. Him just slinging the ball down the field, pushing the ball vertical, um, it's what you want to see. And then the wide receiver, Jason Moore, who was catching passes for him, I think is a sleeper potentially for this wide receiver group, depending if they keep uh, you know, five to six. I think if they keep five, Scott or Davis is going to be that last guy. If they keep six, I think Jason Moore might be an interesting guy to see. But the preseason is going to tell us uh, what we need to know about Moore going forward. Um, I'm excited. Oh, preseason is going to be so, so, so exciting. I just cannot wait. Along the offensive line, guys, Forrest Lamp. We've got Forrest Lamp news. Oh, I'm so super stoked. Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney have been mixing things up along the offensive line. So if you guys didn't know, and Anthony Lynn mentioned this uh, prior, excuse me, after uh, one of the first training camp practices, that Dan Feeney was set to be the team's starting center if they did not sign Mike Pouncey in free agency two years ago. It's kind of incredible, right? But if you think about it, if Feeney was the team's starting center and they didn't sign Mike Pouncey, Forrest Lamp might already be a starter on this team. Wouldn't that be great? Forrest Lamp was already a starter. Um, I know I would love it. And then we'd have none of this Lamp drama, this soap opera that comes with being a Forrest Lamp fan over the last couple of years. Um, he'd already be a starter. And maybe we'd already kind of know who Forrest Lamp is as a person. But it's awesome to see him getting reps of the ones, obviously still getting reps of the twos as well. Pouncey's not hurt or anything. They're just uh, increasing Dan Feeney's versatility and getting some, some reps there. But We'll see if Flamp can actually overtake Dan Feeney. Dan Feeney had such a bad year, as noted plenty of times, that Lamp would be a huge upgrade. We'd like to think Lamp would be a huge upgrade over Feeney at that left guard position. I don't think Michael Schofield's going anywhere. He's playing 
not so much lights out, but he's not screwing up. And when you're not screwing up, it's better than uh, you're not making big plays, you're not making splash plays, and, and being absolutely incredible. There's, like I said earlier, there's no sign of Forrest Lamp playing offensive tackle either. Someone asked me on Twitter the other day, what is my ideal starting five along the offensive line? And I honestly, and he said, Sands, Russell Okung. So like include Russell Okung in there. Don't worry about his injury. So I said, Okung and left tackle. Um, I said Feeney at left guard still. Give him another shot. Pouncey at center. Schofield at right guard. And Forrest Lamp at right tackle. Why can't Forrest Lamp play offensive tackle? He was a hell of a left tackle in college. That's what he played all four years at Western Kentucky. And his film against Alabama his senior year is like, a1 teach tape the guy put on a clinic about defending that entire front of nfl defenders future nfl players and he did such an amazing job i think i put it on after his uh he got injured his rookie year just to rewatch kind of how he was and i swear a single manly tear came to my eye when i watched forest lamp play and i want that back in my life let's put it that way i just want it back in my life and if he could play tackle Get rid of Sam Tevy, who did okay when some things when he was the full-time starter last year, but he was one of the worst graded by pro football focus at the offensive tackle position. I think as an offensive lineman in general, one of the worst graded uh, by that group. And I, I just don't know how much better he's going to get. But if we have to rely on Trent Scott and Sam Tevy, then everyone cross your fingers, cross your toes, and say your three Hail Marys because it's going to be a rough year unless something amazing happens otherwise. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Going into the cornerback two battle, so ahead of training camp, Anthony Lynn mentioned that Trevor Williams is looking more and more like his 2017 self. That year, I think he had five interceptions. He was one of the top 10 cornerbacks rated by Pro Football Focus, and he had one of the top, I think it was playmaker ratings, uh, some rating that uh, Pro Football Focus made for uh, defensive backs, and I think he was fifth. In that rating, Casey Hayward, I think, was number one or two. Williams was fifth. So we had such a good duo uh, in 2017. But since Williams was kind of in a doghouse and then he was hurt, but he looks good. Anthony Lynn said earlier in mandatory minicamp that, yeah, Trevor Williams is looking good and he'll be right there in the battle for cornerback two. Well, through the first four days of training camp, it's been all Mike Davis. I honestly haven't heard a wink about Trevor Williams and how he's doing. And, and you know, nothing is also a good thing in the sense that he's not screwing up. He's not getting beat deep or a bunch of stuff. But Mike Davis has an interception. Uh, he picked off Philip Rivers on a deep pass down the sideline uh, against Travis Benjamin, which... That's a whole other thing we need to talk about. Uh, Travis Benjamin needs to stop getting deep balls thrown to him by Phillip Rivers. Uh, that's where most of his interceptions towards the end of the year came from, him just trying to chuck it up. And usually it's to Travis Benjamin, who is, again, 5'10", 5'11", and he's not strong, 
and he's not going to do anything in terms of batting the ball down. It's just there's almost nothing he can do against bigger, stronger defenders. So uh, bad to see Philip Rivers trying to chuck it downfield to Travis Benjamin. Good that Mike Davis made this. It's actually really neat toe-tap catch um, on the end of the sideline to bring in that interception. I know that got the defense hyped. I saw the video for it. It was awesome. And hopefully, you know, he continues to parlay that into a starting job going forward. If you guys were looking forward to some Tyrod Taylor tidbits, I'd say that three times fast, I've got some good news for you guys. He's actually been one of the better throwers over the last couple days uh, with back-to-back deep touchdown passes, I think, on day th- two excuse me, and day three. Uh, the first one was an 80-yard bomb to Andre Patton, and then as of yesterday, he had a 35-yard touchdown pass to Justice Liggins, two beautiful deep balls. And if you guys haven't seen Taylor throw too much, I know he really didn't play uh, in 2018 all that much before Baker took his job, but he has one of the prettier deep balls in the entire NFL, and he's putting that on display now. And and if anything, I think the addition of Tyrod Taylor and the fact that he's going to play quite a bit during the preseason is going to make the Chargers exhibition games, I think, must-see television. For the most part over the last couple of years, when Cardale Jones and Geno Smith and Kellen Clemens and, and those types of guys were backing up Phillip Rivers, the preseason games really weren't too much fun to watch, especially watching the offense uh, when Rivers and, and the first teamers would step onto the sidelines. Like The offense couldn't move the ball. It was just rough to watch, and it kind of made you want to turn off the games after uh, the first teamers left the field. But I don't think it's going to be that way anymore. I think watching Tyrod and even Easton Stick come on in and, and play a few uh, drives is going to be stuff you just can't miss, and I'm super excited for. They've got some good weapons to throw to as well. There's finally some good depth and people to root for in the second and third stringers, so I'm really excited for the first game, and if you guys haven't seen, that's on August 8th against the Arizona Cardinals. I think it's just going to be an absolute ton of fun. In the weight loss department, uh, Justin Jones, the team's third-round pick last year, the defensive tackle out of North Carolina State, uh, really pushed his body to the limit this offseason, and it looks like he's made a lot of progress, and I don't know if he was trying to, if this is a point to gain some more athleticism, explosiveness, and stuff like that, but Justin Jones, as a 315 excuse me, to 320-pound uh, rookie, he is now under 300 pounds. If you guys have been a follower of his Instagram stories, his Snapchats, or anything like that, he recently put up a photo of a scale uh, that weighed 297-something pounds. So, what we know now is, yes, he's lost about 15, maybe even 20 pounds. And if you guys have seen him, uh, I've seen photos of him walking through like the high five zone and uh, talking with fans and stuff on the way to practice. He looks good. He looks super lean. He looks athletic. That dude looks like he's about ready to put on a show or at least strive for something different than he was given last year. Because he, he did get, earn some start, some increased playing time towards the end of 2018, but I think he's coming for that starting job. And honestly, I think he may have it out of the gate with Jerry Tillery specifically being brought along slowly, like I mentioned before. I don't think Tillery's going to be the day one starter for the Chargers. I think it's going to be Justin Jones and Brandon Meebane as it's been uh, to start training camp right now. So I'm really excited to see Jones and and kind of what this weight loss may do for his athleticism and at least starting the season-wise how he's going to fare for the team. And some breaking news, actually. While I'm recording this, the team decided that they were going to waive a pair of wide receivers while signing another pair of wide receivers. So guys, I don't know if you were a fan of him, but... Like me, Dylan Cantrell and uh, Fred Trevilian. Dylan Cantrell, specifically, big fan of his, but uh, Fred Trevilian was also a former undrafted free agent from San Diego State University. Uh, they're both been waived, and in a corresponding move, the Chargers have signed wide receivers Malachi Dupree and Jordan Smallwood. Now, I quickly, obviously, did some 
uh, research on these two. I knew Malachi Dupree before. He was actually one of the top two, if not the top wide receiver recruit in the country um, back in 2014, I believe that signing class. He went to LSU, and yeah, he had Danny Etling as a quarterback, but he really didn't do too much while in college. Uh, His total college stats are 98 passes for 1,609 yards and 14 touchdowns, and his most productive season was in 2015 when he caught 43 passes for 698 yards and six touchdowns. Now, he's he's got the pedigree. He's been there, done that, went to a really good school, and maybe all he needs is a good quarterback. He didn't go to too many good teams and good situations like he had the Cardinals, uh, the Bills, the Texans, the Seahawks, and there have been some good players on those teams or it's been a really bad quarterback situation. So I'm not sure if he's been able to really uh, show the NFL what he's capable of. I haven't watched a ton of him over the last two years since he's been in the NFL, but I like the upside. I like the move and I'm a fan. If you're going to wave Dylan Cantrell, at least bring someone else that's going to be interesting and has some of the similar skill set. You know, a bigger frame. He is 6'2", less weighed 196 pounds but he was known for his contested catches in college um big body box out type of guy and and you gotta love that and then jordan smallwood this is a guy i'm a little confused on because he didn't do anything in college so here is collegiate stats while at the university of oklahoma he had 18 catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns that is it and you'd think coming from an offense like Oklahoma's that just had quarterbacks you know Baker Mayfield and uh, he didn't play with Kyler Murray but he did play with Baker obviously his last couple years uh, at Oklahoma and nothing he spent most of his time last year with the San Francisco Niners he signed initially after the 2018 draft with the Kansas City Chiefs before being cut in September and there's again not really much else to say about Jordan Smallwood so we'll see how these guys do Uh, one of my Twitter followers got back to me real quick and after the news still said that Cantrell and Trevilian are on the sidelines right now uh, at practice, just no helmets, no nothing, and just kind of watching. So as things stand, I think, um, actually I know that Dylan Cantrell and Fred Trevilian both have injuries. I think Cantrell was a shoulder injury, uh, Trevilian was a lower body injury, and Really, as things stand, they're going to be chargers until they're not chargers. So I think if if no one claims them on waivers, they're both going to be on the injured reserve list. And uh, hopefully, you know, in the next couple months, we'll figure out uh, if they're going to keep Cantrell or not. So we'll just have to see how things play out with that. But um, it's always fun getting breaking news in the middle of recording. It kind of helps you, uh, obviously helps with the content factor. Um, get you guys some good stuff right away instead of waiting for you know the next week's podcast or an emergency podcast sometime later this week to excuse me catch you guys up on you know what you've missed. Last couple things to touch on, guys, before we head out for the day. Um, one guy that stood out on day four of training camp was defensive back Arian Springs. He's a former undrafted free agent from the University of Oregon who had a crap ton of pass breakups during his career. Wasn't the biggest guy in terms of getting his hands on the ball and, and taking it away, but there's something to be said about guys who can always get their hands on the ball and really rack up those pass breakups. Today in practice, uh, day four again, he had two picks and one beautiful sideline toe tap where he broke up a pass to uh, one of the new wide receivers who participated today, Malachi Dupree. And the way Springs picked off this pass, man, he looked like he was straight out of a Michael Jackson music video, the way he stood on his tiptoes to keep himself in bounds before he used one hand to snag it uh, before he eventually rolled across the line. So uh, it's good to see young guys like that making big plays. I'm not entirely sure he's able to make this roster. I mean, it depends if he really, really balls out in the spring season. But uh, again, the secondary is so stacked and there's just a lot of guys in front of him. So uh, just really not sure on his front to make the team. 
And last but not least, guys, it'll be a little late when you guys are listening to this, but don't be afraid to tweet out to Michael Badgley, the money badger. Wish him a happy belated birthday. Today is his big day, and he did a lot of things with his fan base in 2018, including hitting the 59-yard franchise record against the Cincinnati Bengals and you know, showing the big cojones that he has to hit the third and final field goal against the Pittsburgh Steelers to win it, uh, keeping that game from going into overtime. So again, happy birthday, Michael Badgley. Man, we're glad you're a Charger. That's all we have to say about that. Looks like that wraps things up for us this week, guys. Can't appreciate you enough for coming out, listening to me talk Chargers ball for 25, 30 minutes every week. Man, I really, really appreciate it, guys. If you want to go ahead and follow me on Twitter over at Zone Tracks, you can also go ahead and follow the podcast handle on Twitter. That is at PB Review Podcast. That one's growing quickly and really, really appreciate all the love, again, that you guys are sending that way as well. And if you want to read any of my work over at BoltsFromTheBlue.com, don't be afraid to go do that. We're always trying to be a little more interactive with fans. So don't be afraid to comment, subscribe. And, and speaking of that, subscribe to this podcast, actually, Five Star Review Smash that subscribe button, guys. We always appreciate it. But we got a big week ahead of us. The first NFL game is on the first, that Hall of Fame game. And then the first Chargers preseason game is on August 8th against the Arizona Cardinals. And if you're anything like me, you cannot wait. So once again, guys, this has been Michael Peterson on the Powder Blue Review.